0: On today's Encore Compassion Radio.
1: I'm playing this to encourage myself for the Lord. This is how He works through these things with me. I go back to these places in Scripture. I go back to these songs that have stood the test of time and, and will. I remind myself, I preach to myself of things that have been preached to me over a lifetime that I've aggregated and kept in my mind and my heart. You know, I love that passage in Luke where it says, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Yeah. Do we ponder very much?
0: Well, our guest starts off with an important question for today's broadcast. And I'll restate it another way. What do you think God ponders? What does He store up in His heart? Well, I'm 100% certain that the answer includes you. Hi, I'm Bram Floria with Compassion Radio, and we're welcoming back our good friend, Peter Rosenberger, for a third day of pondering some pretty deep things. As a constant caregiver and partner in ministry with his wife, Gracie, Peter's become a force to reckon with in the world of caregiving. And he cares for those caregivers with a liberal gift of love, listening, and lingering. He's the host of a nationally syndicated weekend radio program called Hope for the Caregiver, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. You can find out all about it at where else? Peter was also directly involved with a spiritual and compassionate response to the horrific tragedy at Covenant Church and School in Nashville, Tennessee. He was there not because he's now a recognized expert in responding to crises, but because it was his home church for nearly 20 years, and he personally knew many of those killed. We cover all of that and his ongoing ministry in this wide-ranging discussion. If you didn't hear the previous episodes, you'll find all three on the Compassion Radio website in the broadcast archive. We'll pick it up today with a recap of Peter's answer to the question of what rest looks like for a full-time caregiver.
1: And I said to them, rest and sleep are two different things. Yeah. Rest is that confidence that I know I am not facing any of this alone. Yeah. And that, oh, death wears thy victory, grave wears thy sting. He tasted death for all of us that we wouldn't have to. As believers, that's the promise. We are not permanently exiled to this, so when we leave this body? Scripture says to be absent, the body is present with the Lord. All of these promises, do we believe them or not? And if we don't anchor ourselves in that, what are we anchoring ourselves in? What does that look like?
0: The question you're talking about, Peter, is encouraging people to dare themselves to ask that question. Am I willing to let God put that to the test? Whether I truly believe these things or not, are we giving him the right to observe us, to pass judgment on how well we have poured ourselves into him and allowed him to pour himself into us?
1: Well, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. I just don't think we are saved to sit around in an enclave somewhere Mm. and wait for the rapture. You know? And there seems to be quite a few people that kind of think that way. Let's isolate ourselves all from this and, and just wait for Jesus to come back and take us home. Yeah. And I don't see anywhere in Scripture that supports that. I see that we are called to be light and salt to this world, to minister, to go into all the world and tell the good news, and make disciples, which is to teach. And we teach through our words. We teach through our music. We teach through Showing up yep. and just being. We sit up, show up, and shut up. And we can teach through that.
0: And Peter has a lot of words to share with us about how to shut up. That's what? No, I don't. Yeah. I have no words <laughs> for
1: that. But I, I have a lot of admonitions that I've collected over Fair the years. Fair <laughs> uh,
0: What I appreciate about you, Peter, is that you're you're there and you're raw and you're honest with us. And you, at the same time, seem to have an undercurrent of joy when a lot of people who are caregivers, who spend the majority of their time, if not every single minute of their time, caring for others – don't seem to possess, and you've allowed God to bring it to you. You've accepted that gift of joy in the midst of all this, and see it for the treasure it really is. I'll put you to the task here at the end of our interview. We've been talking for a good hour or more, you and I, about you as a caregiver and an expert caregiver, one who speaks to this issue on a radio program every week across this nation, who have thousands of people listening to you to have hope for another day to keep hanging on to serve those that God's put in their lives. You've also been called to sit down, as we discussed, at the funeral of a good friend of yours from your home church back in Nashville, the Covenant Church. And that Presbyterian church and the school was the one that was attacked and made national news. So that's our backdrop for this entire discussion. I want to ask you, Peter, as someone who knows better than most, how are you dealing with your own grief and your own, I can't believe this happened to my friends? How's God bringing you through that right now?
1: When a baseball team is in trouble, or any team is in trouble, they they don't come up with a trick play. Yeah. They go back to the fundamentals. You're going to throw better, run better, hit better, work as a team better, all those kinds of things. You go to the fundamentals. So what are the fundamentals of our faith? How do we deal with this? And I go back to the fundamentals. I go to music. One of the songs I played at the prelude as people were coming in was uh, the hymn that was written by Cleland McAfee back in the early 1900s, and his brother's two daughters died within a day of each Mm. other of diphtheria. They were kids. The whole community was rocked. And I played that song, which came out of it. He wrote this, and the choir loved it so much at his church that they went and sang it out in the yard to the brother's home. Mm while they were grieving, and it is, there is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. And I go back to those things because I think there is great strengthening and the fundamentals. These are people that have wrestled with these very tough issues. Mm -hmm. And as the family came in for the service, I texted Steve Green and I told him I was going to do this. I did an arrangement many years ago at this church, and I remember the pastor, the one that preached this funeral. And we didn't hold Mike's funeral at that church, but it was at the church where it started out of that church. And that pastor that had hired Mike originally did this service. Mike was a member here. But as the family came in, I played an arrangement of People Need the Lord and Oh How He Loves You and Me. And I just wove those two songs together da, 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 da. And to me, that message was the central message that people need the Lord, and oh, how he loves you and me. Mm. And when I go back and play that, I'm, I'm again, I'm a David at Ziklag. I'm playing it for me. Yeah. I'm playing this to encourage myself in the Lord. This is how he works through these things with me. I go back to these places in scripture. I go back to these songs that have stood the test of time and, and will. I remind myself, I preach to myself of things that have been preached to me over a lifetime that I've aggregated and kept in my mind and my heart. you know, I love that passage in Luke where it says, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Do we ponder very much? One of my favorite hymns is Praise Ye the Lord the Almighty, and there's one word in there that's not in any other hymn that I know of, and it's ponder anew what the Almighty Hmm. can can do. do. That's on my office. I've got a post-it note that I wrote like six or seven years ago, and I've kept it right on the door. It's still out here in Montana. I brought it from Nashville to Montana, and then Gracie framed that text. I ponder anew every day. Okay. And that's why when we sing these things and reflect on it, and, and Moses preached that sermon in Deuteronomy, you know, look back at what the Lord has done. Yeah. Oh, God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. And again, do we believe this stuff because these are fundamentals to our faith. If we don't believe it, then why are we talking about it? Why are we going to church? Mm -hmm. But if we believe it, what are the implications? And the implications are that when we believe these things, we can sit at the piano and play Greatest of Faithfulness five yards away from a man who was shot in cold blood in Nashville Mm -hmm. if we believe these things, and I do.
0: Well, Peter, you had a lot of practice, and from that comes wisdom and steadfastness in facing adversity and traumas. So you've learned about these things, and we look to you for some guidance in that because you've walked the road before us. I will ask you, on behalf of those who may be experiencing a grief or anxiety that they've never known, if they're brand new to it, there may be people that had loved ones in the church and in the school there in Nashville at Covenant that they've lost for the first time in their lives, they've been that close to that kind of violence, or they're students and they're growing more and more anxious about going to school every day. Those kind of people... That never thought this would happen to them are facing these kind of fears now. Was there ever a time in your, say, early life or experience with Gracie where you just let loose on God and told him what for and complained so loudly that you were almost embarrassed, if not completely abject in your accusations, that you realize? This is not where it's going to end. There's going to be more to this. It's going to be a healing process. But, man, I just had to get this out. Did you ever face a time like that in your life?
1: A time? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Those were uncounted times. And I I was filled with rage. I was filled with—I um, was that angry wound. Mm-hmm. And I shook my fist at the Almighty. I, I would hurl things at heaven— that I am deeply ashamed of doing. I say it because if I don't say it, then people that are listening to this program now may never hear somebody else say, Okay, look, I've been there. I've done this. Here's what I learned from it. Here's what I experienced from it. And I was insolent. I was disrespectful. I was arrogant. Hmm. All the things that you could imagine, I was. I tell people often, I've had ample time to make every kind of mistake you can make as a caregiver. Yeah. And I've had ample time to go back and try to make amends. I get a lot of practice at that, yeah. still do. Just
0: before Christmas, I traveled to Vietnam, a country we've long had on our radar for Bible projects. In fact, Norman and Nelson did some pioneering work there 30 years ago, ferrying in batches of Bibles to the small but rapidly growing church in cities and hill tribe villages. I was astounded to discover that the early work had yielded tremendous fruit, opening doors we couldn't have even imagined three decades ago. For the first time in the history of communist Vietnam, Christians were now allowed to openly celebrate their faith and held two nationally permitted crusades in Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi. I witnessed hundreds of Vietnamese Christian artists and evangelists sharing their faith with tens of thousands of their countrymen, including government officials who had until recently been persecuting the church. The window of opportunity for the gospel is open right now, and Bibles are allowed in. The churches are asking for them earnestly, so please send your best gift today to help us provide the Bibles they are begging for in 2023. Call us today at 1-800-868-2478 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. That's box seven seven one six oh Corona, California, nine two eight seven seven. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. Thank you. And now back to our discussion.
1: I tell people often I've had ample time to make every kind of mistake you can make as a caregiver. <laughs> And I've had ample time to go back and try to make amends. I get a lot of practice at that. Yeah. Still do. I've learned a couple of things. One of them is that God's not uncomfortable with me being uncomfortable. Mm. He He doesn't really get all that worked up about it because he knows what he's doing. Mm. And I've, over time, learned to trust that. Don't particularly like it. I will never say, yay. <laughs> You know, Jesus didn't skip all the way to the cross.
0: It's fair to say, too, Peter, that the Father is not insouciant about our suffering, where he's just like, oh, there it goes again. He is impassioned in his depth of concern and empathy with and compassion for what we're going through and expresses it. And if Paul can put words to it, which I have always loved, which is that he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In other words— Even God, it seems, can be at a loss for words and knows that you are, too, and will still mourn with you.
1: Uh, That's there, too. I go back to the surgeon. The surgeon picks up a scalpel, and he cuts, knowing that he is hurting this person. I've seen surgeons do a lot of things to Gracie over the years. Mm And they knew that, that it was causing her pain, and it would cause her pain when she came out. They had a whole team of people ready to help with the pain medicine after she came out of surgery because he knew that what he was doing to her was extremely painful. Yeah.
0: And would be shown for what it was when she woke up, yeah.
1: And he did it with precision, with training, with expertise, not uncaring, but recognizing the higher purpose of what's going on here, yeah. the necessity of this. And I'll leave you with this. This is what I've learned. When our son Parker fell off the gym playground equipment one time in Nashville at church, he was just three, and we had to take him to the doctor to get him sewn up. He had a big gash under his chin, and I held him down while the doctor stitched him up. They gave him Novocaine. He was okay as far as the pain was, but it was horrifically scary to him, and there was no way that I could explain to him infections, antibiotics, wound care, all this kind of stuff. He's three, and I found myself saying to him, it's okay, I'm here i'm here i'm here i'm here i'm here daddy's here i'm here as i have gone through things that god has allowed to be very uncomfortable for me and watching gracie go through it that is the overarching message that i've gotten. it's okay daddy's here i'm here i'm here i'm here it's going to be okay that assuring presence that lets me know that i am not abandoned in this there is purpose there is meaning and after parker was sewn up I just held him. This is what I've learned. Yeah,
0: giving people the right to own and speak for their own suffering is a wise, caring thing to do, and not telling them to shut up before they're ready. That sometimes the only person who needs to shut up
1: is me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and sometimes we just hold people's hair while they throw up. Mm-hmm. Indeed, that's graphic, but that's the way it is. Yeah.
0: And there'll be plenty of time, but we're given that opportunity. And I was one of the people that seemed to be getting put in situations where I was the guy that would sit in the room while something ugly or bloody was happening to a friend of mine or somebody's child or something, because I could take the blood. I didn't pass out from it or throw up. So I was asked to be in there when other people couldn't. And... That still happens. Still, people seem to assume that I'll be able to take it and step in there. And perhaps it's a gift. Perhaps it's just that I have you know something loose in my brain that doesn't empathize at the right moment or something. But I'm able to get through those situations when other people are breaking down. But part of the showing up thing is whatever God has enabled you to do to serve others, he does want you to do it at the time that's critical. When that thing is needed, show up. You described very well earlier, Peter, that there are certain things you just don't do in the moment because you've already run down the road two miles beyond where the suffering is actually happening. We don't throw a prophecy or a scripture or something else over somebody and expect it to heal them in a split second.
1: Everything works for good. Yeah, I know. Oh, man. (laughs) When
0: Jesus was healing people, though, I think about this. His time on earth was very, very short in human years, and his ministry even shorter that we know of publicly that he was out there doing his work. But there had to be something where he planted a seed where even that one single encounter grew fruit forever in that person's life, and where the healing continued, even when his physical presence wasn't there anymore. These people were transformed by that encounter with Jesus. I don't know if it's because he was so amped up that being personally present would really truly heal people on every level much faster than we can imagine now. Perhaps so. But even so, the kind of healing that God's doing through us is a growing thing. It's going to grow through the years to come. It doesn't end and get resolved, as you said earlier, in that one minute after the disaster. It is the beginning of that word we say in the church, sanctification. God starts building into us the things that this means to his heart so that our hearts can be transformed to be like his, and that what comes afterwards is going to be something that we never imagined was possible without having gone through that suffering. But I don't want to put this all in a lunchbox and say, okay, it's neat and tidy now, carry it with you. It's just... The beginning. And you are having an entire ministry lifetime here, Peter, of helping people get on the road just to begin and then to walk with them as they go. That is a real gift. And God gave you that gift through a lot of suffering. Yes. So I thank you for doing it. And also thank you for being willing to share it and be willing to speak to it. And sometimes we will just shut up about it. I appreciate you as a friend.
1: Thank you, Brian. Me too. I feel that way. And I thank you for you and Sandy, and the continued insights that you pour into our lives, we've got many more of these kind of conversations to go. yeah, it's a lifelong process. It's not a one and done. Yeah. I would leave this with your listeners. Don't be in a hurry.
2: Mm.
1: Let it be what it's going to be. Whatever you're going through, just let it simmer a little bit. God leaves his people in very uncomfortable places yeah. in order to reveal himself in a way that maybe we didn't we wouldn't have never seen otherwise. Yeah. I don't want to have to repeat some of these things, so I'm just going to try to learn it right the first time. (laughs) It's pretty painful to repeat it.
0: (laughs) Well, sometimes it's okay to be the last person in the ICU waiting room, and sometimes it's just as good to be the first person out to go with somebody who needs somebody badly. To be with, and when someone comes to us when we have a need, to be willing to accept what God sends us is also a great ministry and a great wisdom to not turn away God's comfort when it comes to us. Thank you for comforting us through some of the anxieties that our entire nation's feeling over the tragedy that happened again in Nashville. Your own personal tragedy now. I don't wish this on anybody else, and I don't wish it on you ever again, Peter. But I'm grateful that God put a person like you in the midst of all that to bring some real comfort in the sense of worship that is absolutely grounded on Christ, that you were there to put your fingers to piano keys at a moment when those families needed you. Thank you for going.
1: My pleasure. And like I said, I played like a believer, not like a mourner. Amen to that. And there is a difference.
0: I want to thank again my friend Peter Rosenberger of the Hope for the Caregivers program, heard nationwide on Saturdays, where he actually addresses and talks to personally people who are in the same position he is, being a full-time caregiver. And now, of course, a witness to God's work in the midst of a horrible tragedy in Nashville, because it was his friends. It was his church. It was his people that suffered and continue to. I thank you for opening up your heart a bit and telling us your story in the raw, my friend. Let's talk some more about how God's working that through in your life in the days to
1: come. Thank you very much, Bram. Thank you so much. My thanks
0: again to our guest for the past three days, Peter Rosenberg of the nationally syndicated weekend broadcast on caregiving. Learn all about him and his vital ministry at hopeforthecaregiver.com. As we talked about in our interview, the emotional and spiritual healing of the Covenant Church and School family in Nashville, Tennessee is just beginning, so we urge you to pray often and fervently for them in their crisis. And I hope you're committed to praying that way for all victims and survivors of the scourge of gun violence in our country. Thank you for joining us in this essential spiritual battle.
3: Jesus, a blessed mystery, the vilest of all sinners now, forgiven and redeemed. Oh, the depths of darkness, his love would reach down through to cover me with mercy and hide me in his wounds. Oh, how begin my song of praise Oh hallelujah Sing it again I belong to Jesus I belong to Him I belong to Jesus The cross that once was mine the curse that he would bear and give to me new life. I am his forever, forever he is mine. My freedom of- Now the day that I behold your glory and look upon your face, robed in holy splendor, like thunder we will stand, the voice of every
2: saint, declaring words.
0: If you believe hearing the good news from the front lines of faith builds your faith, then let us know today. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. That's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We'll see you tomorrow.